It's a high drive center field. Beerling's back. This game is turned upside down. Pulls it to the air. It's deep to left. Taylor's back at the wall at 700. Hello and welcome to Sweet for Contacts Baseball Podcast. It is episode 18. It is June 4th, 2023. We've got some injury comeback news. Mike Trout makes another historic stat line. And we've got some struggling teams and players that uh, we want to touch base on now that it is officially June. It's a good time to check in on all the uh, team stats and standings. I've got Aiden on audio. Aiden, say hello to the people. Hello. And Noah on video. Noah, what's up? Uh, not much. I did did a couple of dishes today and some laundry. Dishes you know. and laundry. Good little Sunday uh, chores day. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, yep. that's when I do most of mine too. All right. Well, uh, real quick, uh, injury comebacks. We've had uh, some pretty cool news lately here. With uh, Liam Hendricks made his MLB debut for the season after his uh, beating of cancer, which uh, was a huge uh, accomplishment for him. Just like less than six months from the time he was diagnosed to throwing a first pitch on an MLB mound. Um, some dudes are just built different and uh, he's clearly one of those guys. One more reason why you don't want to mess with Australians. Uh, another fun one, Royce Lewis, the day that he tore his ACL back in 2022 flash forward 365 days and he makes his return against the Astros where he hits a three run home run and ties the game off Ryan Presley to uh, set up a twins victory. And Mike Soroka, after a thousand days of not pitching for the Atlanta Braves made his return last week as well. So uh, three pretty awesome comeback stories, uh, all three potential kind of comeback players. Uh, guys, you have any input on those three or anybody else that I might've missed? I just, I mean, it's pretty basic. I just, I love to see, you know, especially with Liam Hendricks and the, and the cancer thing, obviously that, but just to see guys get to come back and um, just get to play the game that they love. And, you know, everybody hates injuries. You never want to see anybody get injured. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm really happy for all these guys getting to come back and, you know, whatnot. So. Yeah, the Braves definitely needed a little bit of a shot in the arm. I think Mike Soroka helps them out, especially losing mm-hmm. two other pitchers to the IL. Royce Lewis coming back for the Twins. You know, they were playing kind of just over 500, but leading the way in that uh, AL Central. And so him providing kind of a shot in the arm for them to, to get through the summer. They've got the only positive run differential in that Central Division. So just one more dynamic kind of player to add to that lineup is good for them. And then, you know, I guess the question mark is like, if once Liam kind of sharpens up a little bit, he's, you know, he's still trying to, I think, tighten the screws on all of his, uh, on his pitches and his delivery and whatnot. Uh, but if he kind of locks in that back in the bullpen and, and closes out some games, secure some wins for them late, uh, does Liam Hendricks mean the White Sox can get going? Does that kind of spark? them up a little bit or do you think this is still the disappointing Chicago team that we've been seeing so far um I, dude the central is so tricky I mean because like you said 
Um, I mean, he could he could come in the back end, and you know they could go on a run. I mean, anybody could in that division, except you're the except for the Royals. Uh, I don't I don't know I don't know if the White Sox make it, like may, even make a push. They they could, but I mean, I just I honestly see, I honestly see a boat. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I don't see I don't see the White Sox making. The playoffs, and I could probably see Liam Hendricks as a trade piece coming into the trade deadline. Sorry for the stuttering. I was looking at something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Central terrible. White Sox are terrible. I don't know how much Liam Hendricks coming back fixes that. To be honest, okay, realignment or something needs to happen. So the central, both centrals are so bad. Like <laughs> they are really bad right now. Terrible. Uh, right now, the the Twins are thirty one and twenty eight, sitting at a, a five twenty five win percentage. That would put them uh, like fifth in the AL East. That would put them third in the AL West. Like, and that's your currently your division leader. The Guardians have not been very good. They're tied with Detroit, basically at twenty six wins apiece. I can't hit. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. Uh, Cleveland right now is minus thirty-two run differential. Chicago White Sox are minus fifty-one. The Tigers are minus sixty, and then that Royals team is minus seventy-seven. So that whole uh, AL Central is pretty pretty rough right now. The Tigers were just second in the division the other day. Yeah, right. Right now, they still are. They still are. They're still technically (laughs) number two. They've got two less losses. So, oh my gosh. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's still there's still a lot of ball left. You're not even to the halfway point, but getting to June, the standings start to really kind of show who uh, who's real threats now, and the diff- the run differential stuff, and the run scored, runs allowed, and how teams are playing on the road versus at home. Like you kind of get a really good feel for for where the season's going to go at this point. Um. So for the shifting gears real quick to the AL West, the Los Angeles Angels currently 30 and 30, right at 500. Obviously, the way Texas is playing uh, offensively, they're one of the best teams in baseball. Houston is starting to kind of figure their things out. Both teams are over 600 in their win percentage. Do the Angels have a chance at making a wild card or uh, does Trout's continual rise at this home run ranking just going to be wasted? Well, you know how I feel about this. I really hope they don't make the playoffs. You really hope they I'd don't. See, I'd love to see Trout Otani in the playoffs, but I'd also love to see Otani on a different team. So for me, it's best if they don't make the playoffs. So I, I think know. I agree. I think I agree because I think coming into the season, everybody was kind of optimistic about the the Angels' chances. Um, I don't think anybody really could have predicted that the Rangers were going to be doing what they were doing right now. I mean, we were sitting there arguing about who was going to come in third and who's going to come in second, and I think it's pretty pretty head-on now. I mean, the Angels are 8.5 games back, and so I I mean, that's from the, the lead in the division, obviously, but I, I, yeah, I, I see Otani in a different uniform after the trade deadline, and uh, just another wasted trout season. So, yeah, I, I only bring it up because Trout hit his 363rd home run 
Uh, well, back up. He hit 362, which passed Joe DiMaggio a few days ago. He's now three home runs away from passing Lance Berkman on the all-time list. Um, you know, Trout is starting. He, he's on the wrong side of 30, right? But uh, with the way kind of advancements and people are projecting, even with his back and, you know, moving to a corner outfield spot in the future, moving to a DH in the future, whatever it may be. Um, how many home runs does Mike Trout end his career with? So there's two guys. I kind of want to look at two guys here, Trout and Judge. They're both the same age. Trout, I, I just, I don't know. Like, he's got some more years in him. I don't know how much more he, like, how much his body's going to hold up, though. I could see him finish him with around 550 to 600 in that area. And then there's a guy like Judge that I can see just keep going. And, like, they're the same age, but it, it just feels like they're on different levels right now in terms of health. Yeah, I was going to say, I see him finishing about the 500, 550 mark. Um, but, yeah, that, that back, man. It's an old man. Worrisome. And the thing about Judge, too, you got to remember, like, obviously Judge had a historic <laughs> season last year, but, like, uh, as it stands right now, he's at 239 career home runs, where Trout, yeah. uh, at the same age, is sitting at 363. Um, from a career perspective, Mike Trout's been doing it from the time he was 20 years old, essentially at the major league level. Um, and obviously judge came up kind of later. It took him a little while to kind of get some of the, the holes in his swing, like really popping off and what he's been doing lately. Like nothing, don't take anything away from the guy. Like his career OPS is still like 165. Like he's crazy. Um, he has been, which I think he's been the AL MVP so far this year. He, he's, he's on pace for another like insane home run season. Yeah, he's at 19 right now. He's hitting 291 with over a 400 on base and an OPS plus of 193. So, like, everything is pointing towards him doing, like, winning the award again. I mean, and then he's out in the outfield running through a wall in Los Angeles, uh, literally robbing people of hits in the outfield, taking away home runs, uh, destroying walls like he's a linebacker. I mean, he's he really Lee good. Again. I swear Spike Lee's a Mets fan. I saw him at that game with the Yankees, Yankees stuff on. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> after Judge made that catch, he like took his like quarters zip jacket off and had a 99 jersey underneath it. Yeah. Spike Lee is a Knicks fan, I know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a Knicks-Mets guy. If you're a Knicks guy, you got to be a Mets guy, I feel like. I swear I've seen him with the Nick or the Mets stuff on. They might just be a homer, just like New York, New York, and just let it ride. Ugh. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> as far as Trout goes, back good back to square one real quick. I, I do think he's a 500 home run guy. I don't know if Judge is going to get to 500 just because of how late he kind of got his real home run like hitting in his career going with the strikeouts. But I mean, like in 17, he hit 52 and 22. He hit 62. He's already on pace with 19 right now to go crazy. I just look at some of the, uh, the 2018, 2019 where he only had 27 each of those years. And 
you know, he's going to have to keep hitting 40 plus at a pretty good clip, I think, to to still be to get in that 500 conversation. Not saying he can't do it, but I'm just saying he has a little bit more of an uphill battle than a guy like Trout does, I think. Which he also, I feel like what the Yankees have looked to do with him may work out for him more in the long run because we've already seen them working him at first base. And I think that that's going to be better suited for his health than, say, sticking Trout in right field or left field. Yeah, I, I mean, I think probably in a few years you see Trout just go straight to DH, I think, full time. But yeah, Judge being able, like, being able to keep him on the field at a first base spot is going to be a really good move for them long term. And because you're already so invested in Judge until he turns 40, you might as well prep yourself for that move when it when it makes sense. So. It's smart by the Yankees to be working that, I think. Uh, going from a WBC hero who has been doing pretty well this season, let's, let's shift gears to the WBC hero for Team USA, who has not quite figured it out during the regular season. Uh, your boy Trey Turner. Uh, <laughs> we, we marked him as the uh, the off-season acquisition of like the, the guy. like He was our favorite pick pickup for a team. And the WBC, Trey Turner had an OPS over 1,400, 1.483, and five homers. So far, up until June 4th, we're batting with a 655 OPS and five homers. So, uh, quite frankly, Trey Turner is not quite delivering for the Philadelphia Phillies so far. What needs to change? So, uh, before the season, I kind of went on to say something about how I did think he would start dropping off soon. I didn't think it would be this year. His, his skill set doesn't really translate to the later years of someone's career. Like it's, it's something that he's going to have to change. Cause he had a, he had a high swing rate. He didn't watch a lot of pitches. He didn't take a lot of walks and it's kind of catching up to him. He's had, he's had a huge problem hitting fastballs this year which is not something that he's ever had a problem with. Like last year, he crushed fastballs. He's not hitting fastballs at all this year. Like people are just absolutely punishing him with high fastballs. So until he can do that, it's it's not looking good. Because, I mean, it's fastball. That's supposed to be the pitch you kind of, you're on, you know? No, if you had to guess, how many at-bats did Trey Turner have in the World Baseball Classic? Uh, no, I'm taking a guess. <laughs> I'm probably gonna sound stupid. Uh, I would say somewhere like 30, 40, maybe. Okay. I don't know. That, that's not a terrible guess. It is less <laughs> games than what you're thinking. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I it, was, I was confused about the game. He played. had 23 at bats. Okay. And, and WBC play. And obviously he was just really hot during those six games he hit 391 440 1.43 slugging with those five home runs six games 23 at bats and uh so far this year you've played 57 games 256 at bats i'm sorry 241 at bats uh and our triple slash of 237 281 373 so uh yeah obviously timing up that fastball has been the biggest issue i think for trey and Maybe with more protection in that lineup as they kind of as Harper's kind of getting his swing back. And um, I think losing a guy like Hoskins might have 
a little bit, but they're just challenging him so much that uh, at some point you're one of the star players in the sport. You've got to step up and meet that challenge. So here's hoping maybe he does that soon. Uh, but I do agree with you, Aiden, that from a skill set perspective, like I was worried when they signed him to, you know, that 10 year, 11 year contract, whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, being the guy that can beat out the infield hits and move all around the diamond and uh, be kind of a speed guy that, that does, that has pop, you know, I mean, he, Last year he had 21 home runs. He had 28 and 21 had 20 home run seasons before. Like he, he's not, he can't not hit home runs. Like he can do it. Um, yeah. but it's definitely not like his primary, um, I guess plus for a team. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. kind of if he can turn that around quick. Um, uh, real quick. Padres, we we kind of about standings and whatnot, and shifting over to that NL side. Like, what's going on with the San Diego Padres? Like, what are, what are they going to do to get back in this race? They can't hit. <laughs> they need to hit, bro, bro. They just wanted the money and signed the contract, and they're Here's just chilling, the thing, bro. <laughs> but I Padres fans are some of the most like I don't even know what. So Juan Soto has has been really, really good this year. And all I see is Padres fans complaining about him, blaming him. Like it, it is not Juan Soto's fault that the Padres suck right now. It is the fact that half their team can't hit or yeah. over team. I mean And they had to and they had to sign Gary Sanchez and He's been Neto is one of the most consistent hitters, and he's hitting <laughs> 220. He's yeah, in his so prime right now. <laughs> currently, as a team, as a team, their batting average is 222. Yeah. The only team in baseball worse in batting average is the Oakland Athletics at 219. I mean, heck, and the Athletics may go above them now. The Athletics are absolutely killing Sandy. Sandy's terrible now. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. On uh, him in three innings. The funny thing, and I think this is one of those things where Soto kind of helps this number out a little bit more so than almost anybody, but the Padres on base percentage as a team is 314, uh, mm-hmm. which at least doesn't put them in the bottom two. There's, uh, what, seven teams worse than them on that stat. Um, the Chicago White Sox, there's three teams that have on base percentages under 300. And that's obviously a bad way to win ball games. The Oakland athletics, the Kansas city Royals and the Chicago white Sox. So, uh, so two out of the three are, are AL central looks in their last seven games. So has a 167 average, but a 423 on base percentage. Yeah. And for the season he's hitting, he's slashing 256 with a 422 OBP. Like it, it's not Soto. It's not, I don't think it's Bogarts. I mean, Bogarts hasn't been as good of a hitter as you may like, but he's probably been the best defender in baseball, which, wow. Now, early on uh, in the year, Bogarts was hitting the ball pretty well for him, I thought. Like, he was the he only was, one keeping them was, in games he, for a while. He, he slowed down, like, pretty much. He's, he's, he's slashing 252. He's got a set, or he's got 252, but he's got a 725 OPS. He slowed down a bit. Tatis is finally starting to come alive a little bit. Soto, of course, is Soto. Machado, it's him and 
Machado has been a disappointment so far for them this year, I think. Nolan met the Monstars before the season started. I guess Nolan got his powers back, but Machado hasn't yet. Ready to be Chinese, buddy. (laughs) The Crone Zone just is (laughs) gone. (laughs) I I don't know what to do with this team, man. Matt Carpenter had a freaking Mickey Mouse year, apparently. Okay, let me ask you this. So, the Padres have allowed 228 runs. Okay. How mm-hmm. many runs have they scored? Probably like 138. Jesus. <laughs> that, would, that would, just for the record, 138 would be <laughs> uh, a lot less than the Oakland Athletics have scored. They, they're worse than the Athletics. That's my hot take. Uh, the Padres actually have, and this is just one of those weird things that sometimes the numbers do kind of lie and you got to pay attention to what you're looking at. The Padres are positive 13 in run differential, so they've actually scored more than they've allowed. Um, I didn't know that. And, but they're seven and a half games back. They've got a under 500 record. Their expected win, so like their Pythagorean win is 30 and 28, which would put them third in the division and over 500. Um, so they've been kind of unlucky in some instances, but they're they playing also- less than 500 ball at home. They're playing f- almost 500 away. Their versus teams that are above 500 is 18 and 22. So like, I think they're losing close, good ball games, but they're losing ball games. And that's they're the, losing- the factor. They're the most unclutched team in the league this year. If you look at their numbers with, People in scoring position, they're terrible. I mean, they can't hit when someone's on base in a spot to score. Looks like the Queen City Bulldogs. I was I'm about to say it before you did. I knew you were going to say that. And can't, they can't score people, man. Another team we were talking about a lot in preseason was the St. Louis Cardinals. They're bottom of the NL Central at 25 and 35, but their run differential is plus three. Like, technically, they have scored more. Their expected win is 30 and 30. They should be 500 based off these numbers. Um, but when you're 12 and 16 at home and 13 and 19 on the road and you're 16 and 26 against teams over 500, like it's, it's not a good look. And as a team, you've got to find ways to, to win more of those games. And they're just not doing it between those two clubs. They're like three and seven in their last 10, I think. The uh, Cardinals? Yeah, yeah, three and seven. Like everyone's like, okay, they they didn't come back, and it's a bad division. Like it's a division they can come back in. If they were in any other division, like their season may be over by now. Yeah, if it wasn't, I guess the good news for like Cardinals people in that organization is that they're only seven games back of first place. Like the thing is, is like the Centrals are not going to get the wild cards. This the wild cards are going to go to the East and the West in both leagues. Uh, just because there's better teams in those divisions. And so you have to win your division as a central team. And, you know, you go on a run. Milwaukee is Milwaukee has a negative run differential at the top of their lineup at the top of that standings. And so at some point, like maybe the Cardinals figured out and Milwaukee slides back to where their numbers say they should be. But either way, man, like whether it's the Cubs, the Cardinals, even like the pirates still like that central still wide open, I think, but it is insane to see just how bad 
as far as a win loss record, those the Cardinals and the Padres have been. Yeah. So if the Cardinals were in the NL West, they'd be ten and a half games back. If they were in the East, they would be about ten games back. If they were in the AL East, they'd be about fifteen games back. And if they were in the West, they'd be about twelve games back. So like they are lucky where they're at right now. All right. Me and Noah both. All right. Uh, so now uh, are we done with the the statisticians stuff? Yeah, we can get out of the stats for a minute. <laughs> what do you want to talk about now? Um, I wanted to. I mean, we already brought it up, but the uh, Aaron Judge he he went through the wall. I thought that was really cool because he's like six twenty and. He's like, he's just a freaking monster, and just well, he ran through the wall like a middle linebacker on a. He's a power draw. forward with the build of a linebacker playing yeah. outfield, and it's awesome. It's ridiculous, but yeah. Is that your play of the first half so far? No, 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 no. I I, I put it down in the in the, our spreadsheet. I'll I'll talk about it after. That is not that is not my play of the of the first half. Uh, shifting gears real quick to something a little bit less fun. Uh, Steven Strasburg, is that going to oh. go down as the worst contract ever? Nah, I get nah. it. Nah, still. Nah, Steven Strasburg. You know, I don't want to joke about somebody being injured, but he he went out there and legit threw his nerves out to to defeat the forces of evil in Houston. Um, <laughs> I think um, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Honestly. He he battled and he, he defeated the the bad guys in Houston for that World Series. So the worst part about it is seeing all the people in like comments and stuff and they're like, he's got all this money. It's not like he, it's not a big deal. Like when they're in the league like that, they care about the money, of course. But like losing out on being able to play, that's it's something different. I, I talked to I talked to Philip the other day because I was like, he doesn't watch baseball anymore, like at all. And I was like, why don't you watch baseball? I was like, did you just not love it, or did were you just good at it? And he's like, I love the game. Like I was in love with the game, but watching every day, seeing them go out there, and knowing that I should be out there right now, but I can't. It, it's too painful. Like the stuff that those guys go through, it it's kind of like us whenever we are told we can't play the game anymore. Like everyone's eventually told they can't play the game anymore. Some people, though, it's just later than others, and it, it kind of sucks. That was beautiful. Aiden's quote of the year, right there. <laughs> Strasburg is thirty-four years old. He uh, won the World Series MVP in twenty nineteen. He has not appeared in a game since June 9th of 2022. Uh, that December, after winning the World Series, uh, he signed a seven-year, $245 million contract, and since then has been limited to a total of 31 and one-third innings. Um, the dude has suffered through a carpal tunnel surgery um, and now is you know, fighting that, the nerve damage in his arm. Um, arm and arm and hand, from what I understand. Um, he did 
pitch like one game last year, I think. Um, and then had like a stress reaction in his ribs. And, uh, and you, you feel sorry for him because it seems like as soon as he conquers like one recovery, something crazy happens with another spot. And, uh, you know, obviously you, you don't want someone's career to end that way, especially a guy that's as good as Strasburg. But uh, it is worrisome to see the, like, you know, it's, he signed that in 2019. So 20, 21, 22, we're in year four of that contract right now. And uh, we've seen 31 innings since signing it. And I just don't know if we're going to see, like if we're going to get to see another hundred innings out of him ever. And that's, that sucks. And so uh, from a money to performance perspective, it, it might go down as one of the worst contracts. And it sucks that your name gets potentially tied to that. So, because I don't think it's any fault of his own. I think it's just really unfortunate information or unfortunate news all the way around for him. Agree. Uh, let's get something, something fun to end this thing off. Uh, <laughs> the umpire in this, in one of these games, there was a bunch of wild pitches in yesterday's action, but there was one that ended a baseball game in extra innings. And I happened to be at a wedding yesterday when it happened. And I might have had it on my phone when it was sent to me as a highlight. And during the vows of the groom, I had to hold back <laughs> tears because I did not want to lose my composure watching this. Um, the there's a was it bases loaded or just runner on second? I have it had to be runner on third. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't know what it was, but I'm it, there was a guy on third. Like I don't think it's the guy on second that scored. Okay, so guy on third, and it's like a 98 heater, right? Like it's <laughs> it's a it is a freaking ball of cheese, like just humming. And pitcher misses arm side and high. Uh, the batter gets a little worried about it. He kind of. Gets out of the way. The catcher has a bad reaction to it. Doesn't get his glove up in time. And pinpoint accuracy. It hits this umpire in the face mask, like on his nose. Uh, You couldn't have walked up there and placed the ball more perfectly in this guy's face. And that ball gets away. And in a tied extra inning ball game, the game ends on a wild pitch with the umpire on his back because he just got smoked in the face. And I got to say that is something I have never seen before in that type of situation. Uh, I'll let you guys talk on it for a second. Cause oh, yeah. man, I'm, I was trying so hard not to laugh in that wedding ceremony. That's something that I will always remember. The team was a white Sox, right? Yep. Tim Anderson was up the bat. Uh, yeah. Timmy Anderson. Came up the bat and uh, they walked it off on a pitch that smoked the umpire in his face mask. So uh, it's always a good way to win. Good team win. Shout out to the umpire. Um, yeah. And just uh, kind of turned around too. And he was like, oh, he just, <laughs> he, I'm telling y'all, he just drops. The, the catcher no clue where the ball went. Like his first reaction is to check on the umpire. And then he like turns and he's like, oh, shoot, I don't know where the ball is at. So the pitcher takes off after the ball. The guy scores. And then the umpire's just down. Like, it was so bad, man. It was. 
But hey, the good news for the White Sox is, is that they won that game. That was a game that went in their favor for once. Well, you know, we have a segment every uh, podcast that we like to um, be biased and talk about the Texas Rangers, America's team. Um, so it was it was yesterday, right, Aiden? Uh, yeah. Jonah Heim, uh, runner was stealing second. Jonah Heim spikes the ball to shortstop. He gets the runner on third to try to run home and get a run. And Corey Seager throws him out at home to end the inning. Um, it was obviously uh, practiced and practiced uh, over and over again. That was not accidental at all. Bruce Bochy is a genius, and he knew exactly how to get the Mariners. Um, any comments on that, Aiden? <laughs> uh, umpire was terrible, by the way. <laughs> you say that about everybody. No, no, no. He actually was. We won by 10 runs. And Seattle had a plus 1.23 overall favor. And I think one of the calls on the sheet that I'm seeing was against Seattle. Every other call was against the Rangers. Yeah, well, uh, thanks, Aiden, for being a bona fide hater. Um, any closing remarks, Remy? No, I'm good. Aiden? Okay. Um, well, shout out to the groom and bride. They got married yesterday. Yeah. Um, shout out to my brother. Yeah, shout out to Jonathan Ramey's brother. Um, Aiden, anything from you? Uh, okay, yep, that's it. All right, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Swing for Contact. Go follow us on all social media at Swing for Contact. Go sw- follow <laughs> go, sw- go follow us, uh, our personal accounts. You know what it is. Uh, appreciate you coming and watching another episode of Swing for Contact. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace.